you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? We're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 429, a.k.a. Year 9, Week 5, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your live broadcast, uh, we do it on the old clubhouse there. Clubhouse uh, is the club is the Anarchist Experience, or you can at me. At Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H, and then I will click the little invite button uh, when I start the broadcast, which I do sometime around 3 o'clock Eastern time, Saturday afternoons. So if you have any inclination to participate at all uh, in the show, that's how to do it. Join the club, um, raise your hand, throw it up, whatever you want to do, and we'll you know kindly invite you to speak if you've got something to say. Um, that being said, what is going on with you guys this week? I just came back from a trip to Kauai, you know, uh, getting away from all the news. Well, boy, did you miss out then? Or I don't know. I, I, I did catch it up when I got back or at least on some of the news, but you're always with the best headlines. So whatever that is. Yeah. Well, I've got, I've got the headlines. Don't you worry. Yeah. But the, the, the two the two big stories that dominated the news cycle this week was the the search for the submarine um, and the Russian coup attempt. All right. So if you've got a hot take or two on those as, as you were catching up, you chuckled a little bit about the sub uh, KS when I brought it up pre-show. So what is your... No, that was me. Oh, was it? <laughs> it was. Okay, well, but, uh, well, KS said something about the Russian coup then. So let's start with the Russian coup. Okay. Yeah, well, I, it seems really cool that um, there's this um, infighting uh, among the, uh, uh, the, you know, the Russian forces, the, the hired mercenaries, they call them, uh, and the um, national forces. I, I can imagine there was all kinds of corruption going on. And uh, from what little I heard on the radio, that the, uh, um, I guess the Russian forces had maybe mistakenly bombed uh, the Wagner forces and um, hadn't been supplying ammunitions and weapons and so on. And so the guy decided to um, get rid of the Russian military leadership and and uh, move back. But, uh, you know, who knows how, I mean, Putin calls it treason, but uh, uh, what's he going to do about it? Well, I think the latest is they've decided to back down, so... Whatever yeah. whatever was going to happen has been stifled for whatever reason. But still interesting nonetheless, right? I mean, if it's if it's a if it's a mercenary force, right, was there really an intention to like overthrow the governor the government of Russia? Like were, were they really going to take over uh, and oust Vladimir Putin? Like that seems that's that seems more like uh, political aspirations than it does 
mercenary aspirations. Is that fair? Oh yeah, yeah. I I think it was the wherever the, this guy that's in charge of the Wagner Group just got pissed off that I uh, there was so much corruption in the Russian military or incompetence and that that he he wasn't being supported. So he decided to um, lash back. But yeah, I don't think there was a, well. And although I heard that there was. There was a move on Moscow, but um, I think that's very unlikely. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So even even the lashing back, right in in other in other realms of the world, uh, one might call it a receipt, right? Like, hey, you know, we you know, in like a sparring session or whatever, and someone gets a little you know too too aggressive or antsy and throws a little too hard, harder than a sparring session would allow, and. You fire one back at him to remind him that, hey, dude, we're just, you know, sparring here. I know it's a poor, maybe not a poor comparison, but similarly, right? If you're, if the, if the Russian forces are corrupt and not giving you what you need and, you know, you're just out there doing the job, right? And you go like, hey, how many times do we have to ask? You know, we're, we're turning this tank around, right? And then you send a little message to them that you, you know, this is, this is not to be done. Right. And then, you know, message sent and you go back to you go back to business if they supply you properly as as it were. I, I read one short article. Um, it said they bombed them, you know, by like they, they shelled them. Right. And that was part of the impetus. Right. Not not just corrupt and incompetent, but dangerous. Yeah. 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 Right. 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 So like, OK, well, if, if you're going to be lobbing shells at us after paying us to like fight your war. Right. You know, may, maybe we do go back and just you know, shell a couple your way just as a reminder, you know, that, that this is a, a contract status and we're not actually under your control, right? I don't take orders from you. I take money from you. And then, the, you know, the, the, mar- the march on Moscow was probably more hype than anything else, but still, right, you know, message sent, right? Mm. People, people got nervous, people got worried, and then they went, okay, they got the message. Let's go back to work, killing Ukrainians and other I mercenaries. Saw an interesting little video that purports to be a um, a, a, a drone that had uh, well drones that had had knocked out a whole bunch of Russian um, soldiers or, or mercenary soldiers at the uh, uh, in this battle between Ukraine and and Russia, and uh, one that hadn't been um, killed was uh, persuaded to. To give himself up and surrender, because he apparently the condition is that if if you just walk back to your lines, you get shot by your own mercenary leaders. You know they they set out the condition. This is you're getting amnesty for your you know from from whatever your prison was, and we'll let you go into this fight, but you dare not um, backtrack. You can't retreat, you know, or we'll kill you. So yep. die either way. I think that's been a, sort of a common practice in during Soviet times too, from what I hear. At any rate, it was quite a fascinating um, blurb. Oh, I think it was on the Wall Street Journal that they posted this, uh, these video clips and story. Actually, I guess it was verified by the Wall Street Journal reporters that actually spoke with this guy after he'd been uh, yeah. captured and sent back. So it was a well, pretty confirmed story. Almost necessary when you're conscripting people, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to fight. I've, I've got no business out there, 
you you forced me here, handed me the gun, and said, go shoot those people over there. Yeah, right? and Ukraine's conscripting too, although I suppose that there's um, less of a mixed uh, feeling of, of, about it than there were for these. Okay. Yeah, Are you suggesting that Ukrainians don't have some sort of similar policy? Of- I I don't think. I mean, I haven't heard of any policy that they <coughs> shoot <coughs> a soldier that that retreats. Um, okay, because they've had to retreat a number of times. They know they've been a lot of times just uh, well outnumbered. And- sure, I, I I would like to suggest that there is a a, a difference between a strategic retreat. Right, as ordered by, you know, the the battle general, right, and an an independent retreat of a soldier who just doesn't want to be on the front line, right. In the in yeah. the United States, you might call that guy going AWOL, right. I don't sure. want to be here. I'm just going to leave, right. And they may not shoot him when he comes back, right. But they put him in military prison for going AWOL, right. You're not allowed to leave. So it's it's. The punishment may not be as hard, as yeah, harsh. Yeah, I mean, the punishment may be then you go to prison. Right. Or maybe some prison labor, something like that. I'm sure it's yeah. not pleasant. And I'm, I suppose there are people, uh, people throughout the region that are doing their best to escape to some neutral territory, which w- when I was in Georgia last summer, uh, there were a lot of Russians, uh, young Russian people, r- Russian men who had gone to Russia just to get away from the war draft. And also would make sense, right? If you know, if if you're in a similar situation, you're like, well, I have, I have no beef with Ukraine, right? I don't want to fight Ukraine. I don't want to invade Ukraine. I hap, I just happen to have been born in Russia, right? And this is where I make my living and my livelihood and raise my family or whatever it is that you do, right? And they're like, okay, you're of age, time to go to war. And like, I don't really want to go to war. It's not really that's your thing. That's not my thing, right? There, there are. There are anarchists in Russia, right? And, it, and sure. if you want to escape, right, much much like Americans who went to Canada, right, when they were conscripted, like Russians can go, Russians can go to Georgia, Ukraine, Ukrainians tried to flee as well, right? Escape before the conscriptions got got started. So it's it seems reasonable if you if you have the imperative for survival. Right to not want to get conscripted into a political war, uh, of which you have no dog in the fight, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, like you go to war, you guys have fun out there, you know. Good luck coming back in one piece, mentally or physically. Uh, I'm just gonna go over here where they're not doing stupid shit like fighting wars, or you can do you know the Muhammad Ali thing, which is I'm not running. If you want to conscript me, you can you can just put me in jail right here. Mm-hmm. And if and if he were Russian, they likely would have just killed him right there. But still, right the 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 impetus is the same. We're we're going to conscript you because you live on this plot of soil, and you're going to fight our wars for what we decide. And if you don't, there will be penalties, and mm-hmm. that that penalties will vary depending on who you are and where you came from and what country we're talking about. So some billionaires got lost on a sub. MC, you chuckled a little bit. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, well, first first thing I thought when that happened was, okay, so the, the, the 
the big part of the story was some some millionaire, maybe even more than that, um, was taking these people that were paying something like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to go see you. Yeah, I heard his net worth was two twenty five million, so not quite a billionaire, but sure. still okay. entrepreneurial so, and very rich person uh, taking other rich people out under sea and you know got got into trouble and um, and so now. People are spending millions of dollars to go find these idiots. <laughs> yep. But uh, whatever. Um, what it turns out, though, is the government, even though they have all the technology and all the money, still decided to do the wrong thing. Okay. Not tell us that they heard the thing implode. <laughs> yeah. That's on the, the way down. That came out afterwards. Yeah, on the way down. So it, it was it was going down. It imploded, and and then the whole world's you know wondering what happened. And the navy's just sitting there going, "Yeah." Uh. The, for, I guess you don't. <laughs> I guess you haven't heard this, KS. The conspiracy no. theory is that the the navy has some secret sonar, right? Mm. And okay. they heard the sub implode on Sunday, and as MC just said, did not say anything. And let people think that there was a chance of survival and a chance of rescue all the way till Thursday, uh, all in the hopes that that would dominate the news cycle and cover up uh, Hunter Biden's uh, guilty plea in federal court and no jail time. Like that's um, the, that's the story behind the story. I'm I'm guessing that the explanation for not saying it was that they didn't want to give away that the 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 knowledge that they had such capability capability yeah um is that but i suppose that everybody knew they had the capability um well who's everybody so, i mean it's no no well i mean that it it's not a secret from the soviets or the chinese you know it's not um, it's but, definitely not a secret anymore um yeah but then yeah. why cover it up for you know if it's not a secret why cover it up for four days why did days? it finally come out why why did they finally acknowledge it i don't know might have been a whistleblower do you, do you know the answer to that, MC, how that, how that leaked out? No, I don't. Okay. So something to research. I'm not going to do it now. But it somehow it, may, it made it to the light of day that they knew, uh, they knew since Sunday. And the, the, the implosion, like, is gruesome when you, you know, they, I watched one little TikTok explanation video about it. It's. It's intense to think what happened. It's just a, a sudden collapse, right? And so everything's over in in a split second. Is that right? Milliseconds and or nanoseconds. Uh, yeah. You are dead, and um, you are dead and turned to hot mush before you even realized. Before your brain has a, the the time it takes to process what happened. Well, okay, I that's could, the least amount of of uh pain and suffering i mean if they just ran out of oxygen over four days uh, that would have been probably more uh, traumatic for everybody involved yeah i was thinking like you know what what uses up more oxygen you know like a breathing human being or a decaying human body right because <laughs> if you want to prolong your chance of survival you know stuck at the bottom of the ocean right the, the first thing you might want to consider is just killing everybody else in the sub. Kill the others in the sub. <laughs> right? 
I don't I don't know what that rate is, and apparently, you know, the human body leaches out carbon dioxide and methane and some other things, so may not have been the best way to go, but that's that's the first like you know, like the, the plane wreck people that turn into cannibals, right? Or the dude that cut his own arm off when he got stuck in a rock, right? The the the, the impetus for survival can be strong and if that means doing what it takes and you know, culling the weak, no matter how how little there are, right? One survivor and four dead people is better than five dead people. It's who's gonna who is gonna well, man up? You know, in in that situation, I mean, you imagine, I can imagine myself in that situation. You wouldn't know if I mean, you you don't have any clue that anyone is coming at all, right? Or or how long it would take them. And so you don't know that, uh, I mean, if you know that killing the other person is going to mean your survival because you know that someone's coming in 10 days and you need um, twice as much oxygen as you as the two of you can uh, have, uh, I, then I could see making that, that calculation that one of us has to die. But if you have no idea, I think they probably just shrug and say, well, uh, the chances are just as good are almost as good that uh, they'll rescue us in in both in time. If they rescue me later and I've already killed the other guy in here, uh, then they may be also, yeah, they survive, but then uh, they may be thinking about all the horrific consequences of that. Yeah, unless, maybe. Unless the guy, unless one of them decides to suicide so that the other one can have more air. That That's um, recordable. And explainable afterwards, yeah. Well, I mean, there there was what four four passengers and the pilot, right? So there's five people down there, mm. and I don't, you know, uh, what was it like Apollo 13 or whatever, whatever that movie was. I don't remember mm. which one it was. I'm just off the top of my head, right? They they calculate the amount of oxygen left in the escape pod, right? And the guy screws yeah. up the math. Goes, oh, I calculated this for two people because there was only supposed to be two people on the mission. And now there's three of us, so I have no idea, you know, we're going to run out of oxygen quick. Mm-hmm. And so that I think, was the Tom Hanks film, yeah? I think, well, then definitely, if, that, if you were calling it too, then that's definitely Apollo 13. Yeah, it was Apollo 13. Okay, either way, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking if, if the rest of the world knows that they have 96 hours of oxygen, right, then those people down there know they have 96 hours of oxygen, Right. Yeah, but they don't know that the rest of the world will find them and be able to rescue them in ninety six hours. Right, which which again, if you're down there waiting, right? This again, this this presumes that the the news stories throughout the week was accurate, and they were, they were just sitting on the bottom, right? If you're just down there waiting, you know, like day one passes and you're not rescued, day two passes and you're not rescued, right? You got two days left, right? Mm-hmm. At some point, you either you're either uh, resigned to defeat and death, right? Or you have to decide quickly how many of these people are going to die, right? Mm. And if you do that on day one, right, then presumably, you know, you, you have an extended period of time for people to find you uh, versus day three or day four when you're looking at, you know, maybe a day or two extra. And so much much like getting on the boat itself, right, there's a risk calculation to be made, and considering that people who were uh, foolish enough to get on this boat uh, seemed pretty, you know, high risk tolerance, right? Maybe, just maybe, they go like, oh, I'm going to take my chances, right? 
the worst that the worst that can happen is jail maybe right but given the given the extraordinary circumstance and the unknown of when you're going to be rescued right like no no we we took a vote <laughs> i i pulled the long straw right and everyone else had to die to make sure that there was a survivor to tell the tale or whatever it happens to be so that's that's the conspiracy right now all right then the point is that they were trying to cover cover up the biden trial well um i guess i missed the the biden trial entirely well it was a, a what was the i mean what was the penalty here i mean what was the what was the trial about what was he being charged with um i forget the first charge the second one was a gun charge for the uh the the lying on the federal form to purchase the handgun and then throwing it in the trash can when he decided he didn't want it do you remember what the first charge was mc offhand uh, no okay all right so we're unprepared um but either way right there there were federal federal felony level charges um and he took a plea deal and and whatever whatever the whatever the penalty was right it was basically a slap on the wrist no jail time for these outrageous you know crimes federal crimes and so knowing that this was going to happen right the the biden administration allegedly right prolonged the story of the sub so because that seemed more important like rescuing these people much more important than you know talking about uh my son hunter and whatever crimes he was committing well supposedly the sub had seven ways of of coming back to surface so they're trying to speculate well why isn't it back at the surface yet if it has seven ways because it imploded on sunday (laughs) on the way down dickhead (laughs) That's why I didn't think about it at all. I'm just like I yeah. don't care. <laughs> well, okay. So here's the, the here's the other thing on the sub, right? Because a coworker asked me, "It's like, what's your take on the whole sub thing?" And generally, my feeling was I'm kind of meh about it, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, life is risky. People take more risks than others. <laughs> right and you and and you have to do your due diligence you know as the risk goes up right and so uh what, what's the guy's name stanner fork or whatever i forget his name um the 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 owner of the company right was apparently a corner cutter in a lot of ways right and so if you're going to be paying him like a quarter of a million dollars to go down on this thing, right? Maybe you was ask more questions than the normal person. Was he on it too? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, I, for, yeah. Immediately afterwards, everybody was calling for more regulation, government regulation, but it seems to me a kind of a, a common sense thing that if you're going to, do that kind of a risky venture that you ask for some kind of certification that that um, this thing has been tested, uh, uh, you know, for for such depth. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. I, You're the test. We're going to go down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. You know, and, and these I, these guys were wealthy enough to to be able to hunt down the best of information before doing it. That's my suggestion kind of as well. About it. 
and and so they they wanted to go down. They took a risk, right? Um, unfortunately, their risk did not pan out this time, and they perished. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not sad about it because I don't know them. They have no impact or whatever I in think my it's, life. It's probably rational to expect that all the resources that were pulled together to try and rescue them um, was legitimate because they could be charged afterwards if they if they rescued them. And they then they charge them for the expense, and if they, and they get tremendous um, PR, good PR. I mean, all those guys who are in the in this kind of line of business. I mean, look at what incredible uh, good PR goes to somebody who rescued those kids in them in, in, in the in, cave, uh, cave, or yeah. you know, whenever there's a, a circumstance like this, there's a lot of positive publicity that comes out afterwards that pays off rich dividends later for those people who do it. Stories, books, movies, and more contracts to do similar kind of work. So are you, okay, so here's where it gets sketchy within the anarchist group, right? Are mm-hmm. you suggesting that it's a justifiable use of taxpayer funds to go after rich people because they can afford to pay back the cost later? Um, well, I think... Uh, First, I would be saying that there were a lot of private corporations and companies and enterprises that would have done this this kind of rescue operation, were involved with the rescue operation. The big money may be coming from, uh, you know, government uh, taxpayers funding for these things. And, and this is something that comes up with, uh, with regard to the, all these, whenever there's somebody stranded in a on a hiking trail in Hawaii, and then they get stranded and then they get rescued by the uh, helicopter i think very clearly i should pay the expense of it the full expense of it um should the i think if the government wasn't there with a private helicopter doing so i think that private operators would be geared up and ready to do such things counting on a, a premium from insurance or from uh um sure you know the the the, the payoff I mean, a billionaire gets rescued and he, his life has been saved. Well, I, what makes me think that's likely to happen, there was the case of um, Rural Metro Fire Department in Scottsdale, Arizona. And they had a contract with the city uh, to provide fire services in the city of Scottsdale. They were doing it at one-fifth the cost of what the previous fire department was doing but they were providing the same or better, much better actual service because the key thing about putting out a fire is to get there quickly. Yep. So instead of having one central fire station, they had people on retainer and panel trucks all around town that could very quickly get to stations. They had all the same training that other fire departments do, except that they weren't just paid to sit around then when there is no fire. They were allowed to do their own work because they're on retainer. And then... Uh, if a fire occurred outside Scottsdale, outside their paid jurisdiction, um, they could offer insurance to those people, and they, they did. So many people did offer the insurance because it lowered their mortgage and, and uh, house uh, insurance rates uh, by having this fire insurance. If they didn't contract with Rural Metro for the insurance, Rural Metro still went out and put out the fire and... Um, if they uh, if they succeeded at, at saving the house, then they send a bill 
to the homeowner that they didn't have to pay, but they were never turned down. The homeowner was very glad to have okay. uh, to have had it done. They always got paid. If they didn't save the house, they didn't save the bill. They say, they, well, they, we, we made our best effort, which meant really positive publicity. And if they didn't do it, probably would have been negative publicity. So there was a figure that uh, a calculation that Rural Metro was making with regard to this kind of policy. It's the same yeah. way with a uh, a store that says, "Well, we're going to return your stuff, whether you um, whether it's a justified return of merchandise or not. It's good publicity and good re- yeah. public relations." And so, I think that that sort of thing plays into or any place rescue that- operations as well. You know, rescue first responders are such heroes, heroic figures in in society. Uh, there's no reason that they have to be government first responders. Uh, if the government wasn't doing it, in fact, long before the government was doing it, there were volunteer fire departments and uh, uh, volunteers who were doing all kinds of um, uh, rescue operations. And if there's money right. in it, they would they would gear up for it, as there would be with insurance. If you, you know, it would be part of your insurance policy. A you know, life insurance policy is going to pay off um, either to the dead person or in some reward to the person who makes him not dead. <laughs> Life insurance policy with a search and rescue rider. Yeah, sure. And you get that often when you travel. You know, you, you yeah. say, well, you want to get a little extra insurance so that you can be rescued by helicopter from the jungles of Uganda if you get into trouble. Right. So People it's... Buy those things. It's a small price if they're, uh, you know, to add on to a, a pricey uh, vacation. So a, a couple of things, um, I, I I hear all of that. I would think then that people with you know the wealth that these passengers had, right, that mm. they they alone should have been responsible for um, preemptively getting something to cover search and rescue, right? Uh, yeah. Just in case, right? Sure, not sure. not. Not sloughing it off and waiting to get rescued and then, okay, we'll pay you back after the fact kind of thing, right? Like, be proactive, be preemptive about this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there was, you know, pages and pages of legal documents and co- on the contract to go down there, and something in there must have covered. Um, uh, it might, might have just been one page, like, oh, oh really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sign it here. <laughs> Um, you think they would give out a, a one-page contract for a $250 million trip? Like you get more than that just no, to sign two, up for 200, iTunes. 250000 Okay, yeah, well, either yeah. way. Um, I, I Honestly, I don't know. I think that they were probably looking at it from the point of, well, other rich people did this, and they said they had the, the time of their life, and so that was probably more important. They, and if it was 30 pages long, then they didn't read it. Yeah, wow. Oh, I mean, that's a curious question. Had this same venture with this vehicle been done before? Yes. yes. It wasn't the first time. It wasn't okay. the first time. Oh, okay. Uh, but there's people saying that, hey, it's it's dangerous, and it's still dangerous, even though you did it once successfully, uh, it's still dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous, and, you know, again, the reports come out after the fact, right? But it, it, it always begs the question, right? If people knew about this after the fact, then someone had to have known about it before the fact, Right. So it comes out after the fact that every time the vehicle has gone to these depths, um, they have lost communication with the surface, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they did? Oh, I didn't allegedly, know. Allegedly. Allegedly. I don't know. That's what the report says. 
right? They hit a certain depth and no communication with the surface until they resurface and hit that depth again. So there was no chance that they were going to be at the bottom sending out an SOS, right? It just every 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 pre every pre you know every pre run suggests that they lose communication with the surface. It, at least they sent out a, a pop. Say that again. At least they sent out a pop when oh, they yeah. heard them. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that only you know one only one organization was able to hear pop, just a blip on the radar. Man, Steve, that really sounds like a submarine exploding. Then play it back one more time. Yep, that's definitely a submarine exploding. I bet you. Dollars to donuts. I, it, it seems uh, a stretch in my mind to think that they then held on, that those guys who had that information held on to that information because they saw the Biden trial <laughs> in the news that, that week. I, There's a good chance that that wasn't the, the truth, but um, I, I, I really, what I believe is is people that uh, have, uh, it's, it's, in the military, it's like an over a feeling of overimportance, right? Yeah. And so, if you release the information, then you lose your power, you lose your thing that that you're holding over everybody. And uh, so they waited. The secret so, sonar? Are you saying the secret sonar is <laughs> the the power they're lording? I don't understand. Well, not not just that it's secret, but that you you have information that everybody else doesn't have, and it's like, oh. ooh, like I could end this all right now. Okay. Like they have, they have power and, right. and, and they, and they think, well, it's, so they make up something in their mind that says, well, I'm, I'm super important if, as long as I have this information and then everything will stop if I release it, like all the search and rescue will end, all the drama will end. It will just be a big nothing burger. And so, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm betting that probably even with this sound that they recorded on sonar, that there would be enough um, dispute about whether or not that was the event and whether or not they should still be looking. In other words, they, they might have still been looking even though they had heard they had a record of this because they might say, well, oh, maybe it was something else or maybe it was um, uh, they're, they're still alive or I don't know. Uh, I, I think they probably knew. Like they, yeah. they know exactly what, what something like that would have so- sounded like. And so... There's, there's not many things uh, that far under the ocean that would make that, yeah, that sound. Yeah. It's probably pretty distinct. David Cameron was quoted as saying, ah, it was all just a charade to, to be hunting for them. It was impossible that they could have lasted past the first day. I mean, maybe, right? If, 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 they've, if they've dropped to that depth before, right, successfully, mm. and something went wrong on this one, Right, I don't, you know, and they had uh, I, uh, they had four I, days of oxygen. I, right? I still go back to the well. They had multiple ways of coming back up to the surface, so it's not like if something went wrong, it would have to, like seven things would have to go wrong. Okay, and so it's like you know the the simplest answer was that it went pop, and so um, you'd have to make all kind jump through all kinds of hoops to justify why it wouldn't have been able to come up. It wouldn't just be because, oh, the, the controller broke, and so they couldn't come up. They would have another way. Okay. So that got thrown out around a lot, too, and, you know, whatever. Uh, they used a video game controller to control the sub. They didn't hire white pe- white males to pilot the sub. 
And it what it wasn't exactly a video game controller. It was it was a custom thing. It wasn't an uh, Xbox controller. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what I heard on the radio. Oh, it's just an Xbox controller. <laughs> it it wasn't. <laughs> it looked an it awful was, lot it, like that Logitech. The F seven hundred or whatever, F seven ten. Oh, okay. Maybe it was. It, it, right. it wasn't an it, okay, so if this is where you're if you if you're looking at it and you're going like that's not an Xbox controller. You're right. It's not an Xbox controller. It's a third-party Xbox controller. It's even, even worse. worse than an Xbox controller. Um, and right, I, you know, the, the, I've I've seen this story before, um, and it, and it was re, you know re-released again. Right, the Navy, the United States Navy uses Xbox actual Xbox controllers to control part of their sub. Yeah. And, yeah. and the reason behind it is it's more intuitive. Right yeah. than the thirty-eight thousand dollar you know rig that they had controlling that aspect of the sub before, yeah. so and the and the air force uses it to control drones and stuff like that too. Yeah, because it's intuitive. Like for at least from my generation going forward, and and it's it's uh, fairly reliable too. Yeah, I mean you can put hundreds of hours, thousands of hours on a Xbox controller before you have to replace it. Yeah. No, I, I got all that, and but well, I guess what I'm suggesting is all of the all of the things that came out afterwards, right? Like the, these particular things, they were using an Xbox controller. You know, they they wouldn't hire white guys with experience because they're not you know uh, inspirational enough to do this job, right? I don't think that either any of that was relevant to the outcome, right? Like if an old white dude was piloting this thing with the normal sub controller, right? It still goes pop on its way down, right? No, sure. Okay, I, I, we should we should move on. Okay, well, I mean, we're you be, tell me. We're beating this. We're, Your other we're, headlines. Be, we're yeah. beating the sub to death. <laughs> well, because because there were things that came out afterwards, right? You know, like the the, the risk management, the risk assessment, right? You know, would the Buying the parts from used, uh, buying the parts from Boeing, right? That uh, that were past the the shelf life for an airplane. Yeah, I mean, the, would you have gotten the, on the sub if you had the money? Would you have gotten? Would you have gotten on I the sub? Or would I you don't have, have any interest. I don't have any interest of seeing the wrecked Titanic. So yeah, they've okay. sent pictures. That's that's the great thing about pictures. They can you can view the. And and if you go online, I guess you can view all the video material that they've they've recorded, and then it's a lot better. It's like the <laughs> it's why I don't actually go to a football game. I watch the all the instant replays and all the action better from the camera view. There, there was a meme about it too. It's like, well, what if somebody farts? <laughs> you know, you're in this little t- enclosed space <laughs> with five people, <laughs> just like an well, elevator. Provide uh, nose clips. So I guess. Oh, so here's the thing. I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it on here. Um, I would volunteer for a one-way trip to Mars. A one-way trip? Yeah. Okay. Because I don't care. Well, but you would want to get there. You wouldn't want to just be crushed in the first um, five minutes of the flight. Yeah. I, I, you know, someone, I think it might be even Elon Musk is quoted as saying like, uh, I'd like to die on Mars, preferably not on impact. <laughs> right? Yeah. So I don't, I don't have wanderlust to see the world, but something as ex- extraordinary, right, as being on Mars is so appealing to me 
I don't know. I've seen, I've seen pictures of, of, of Mars, and there's no Martians there. I don't care. So <laughs> well, <laughs> that's the you thing. You can go to the top of Haleakala and get the same experience. You don't need to go. No, to Mars. It's, but it's not. <laughs> that's the thing. Right? So if there, if there was something like that, and we said, well, the government doesn't regulate it, or we're breaking the government regulations because there's no way we can do it under the current paradigm, right? Do you volunteer? Uh, I would be close to the front of the line, right? And so with regards to, to these people that went down there, right, same thing. They, they had a desire for exploration. They had the money to do it. And they, they may not have understood the risks completely, um, but they understood the risk, right? And, and if you understand the risk, then, you know, you, you accept the outcomes, whatever that may be. And so again, I don't have a I don't have a problem with them doing it. I don't have a problem, you know, with billionaires spending their money however they want. Um, and I don't have a problem, you know, with with the the means about them going about it. Right? The life is risky, and if you want to take the risk, take it. And if you don't want to take the risk, well, stay at home and make memes about people that do. Right? Yep. All right. Headlines. Yep, oh. Go ahead. Eleven-year-old <laughs> boy determined to be a farmer. Rents his own land, breeds sheep, and spins wool. Uh, headline, FBI groomed developmentally challenged 16-year-old to become a terrorist and then arrested him. <laughs> and then arrested him. Uh, headline, migrant smuggling influencers use TikTok to advertise. Uh, headline, using loophole, Seward County seizes millions for motorists without convicting them of a crime. Uh, headline, he's facing life in prison for owning firearms without a license. Uh, headline, a rural Waldorf micro school gets shut down by state regulators. Um, I will point out for you guys that happened in Hawaii. Uh, headline, she's suing the Fed to open a Rothbardian Bitcoin bank. Uh, headline, in New York City orders inflation-adjusted rent cuts at rent-stabilized buildings. And finally, headline, it's time to put to bed lies and misconceptions associated with the term anarchy. Where are we starting this week, gents? <clears throat> I guess the, the boy that wants to be a farmer. Oh, okay. This is a cool story, but it should, you know, it's, it's the entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, meet the 11-year-old boy who fell in love with agriculture during the pandemic and dreamed of becoming a farmer. Today, he rents his own plot of land where he cares for chickens and breeds sheep. Uh, Joe Troffer Cook's passion for farming was sparked when he planted seeds in a new raised bed that his grandfather built for his seventh birthday. A year later, after COVID hit, he began selling homegrown produce on a trolley outside his house and saved every penny to buy three chickens. Adding eggs to his produce market helped him earn enough to buy his first four sheep that he adorably named rhubarb, strawberry, pumpkin, and radish. His mother, Claire Trover, says that tending to animals is a form of therapy for Joe, who was diagnosed with autism during the lockdowns. With the profits made from selling veggies and sheep, Joe was able to rent a plot of land from a farmer in his English village of Billinghay, Lincolnshire. Uh, over two years later, Joe now owns 37 sheep, 12 chickens, two cows, and a border collie named Spud. I was born to be a farmer. That's what I say, Joe Quips. Uh, he is the kindest, loveliest, quietest child you'll ever meet, and so devoted 
said his 47-year-old mom. Uh, Most children are born into this world of farming, but this is something he built for himself. Joe was diagnosed with autism and lockdown, and it's been best form of therapy, she explained. He's never asked to have friends over after school. All he wants to do is go straight to his animals. Now, Farmer Joe, as he's known, is the youngest exhibitor of livestock at the Lincolnshire Show in the 125 years it's been running, and the dapper youth has appeared on BBC television. Every day, the young entrepreneur wakes up at 4 a.m. to feed his animals and recently has taken up spinning wool after someone donated a wheel so he could sell his wool. I'm so proud of everything he's accomplished. His first four sheep were female and cost around uh, 80 pounds, about 100 bucks each. Next, he bought a male sheep called Basil, and the following spring, Joe welcomed his first lamb when he delivered triplets before going to school. Over the next year, he sold the lambs to afford a second-hand sheep trailer and bought two new ewes, parsley and parsnip. Uh, Joe went to a farmer's market and bid on another ewe called Butterbean, Claire continues. She didn't have any lambs, so Joe used his trailer to take her to exhibit at the county show where he got through to the championships. It just shows how resourceful he is. Uh, I think he works harder than most full-grown men. In November 2021, Joe was surprised with a gift of two calves he named Rosie and Flower, donated by the TV show Christmas on the Farm. Uh, He keeps the sheep in a field that his grandparents own nearby, while the other animals are on land he rents from a farmer. He recently rehomed a border collie named Spud, who's done wonders for Joe's anxiety, says his mom. Uh, Nighttime is hard for Joe due to anxiety, but Spud helps comfort him when he struggles to sleep. Joe now sells the wool, eggs, and produce he grows at local markets. He saved up for a camera to watch the sheep during lambing season and a special tunnel to house them in a uh, hen called a polytunnel. Uh, me and his dad aren't farmers, so this is all something he's done by himself, said Claire. But his brother, six and five, are not far behind. They really look up to him. They're following his footsteps, and all three of them are in the show ring this year at the county fair. Uh, we're so proud of him, and I know he'll own a farm one day. End of the article. Uh, I guess I'm just going to throw this out, at, you know, in general, right? What's your excuse, right? The kid's seven, right? And I guess maybe being in England uh, is beneficial um, because I, w- I would presume he would face a whole bunch of legal ramifications and repercussions and, and general harassment, uh, if he tried to pull this in the United States, your thoughts. Sounds like he's privileged. <laughs> Go on. Uh, it's, it, I, I'd have to see it from my own eyes to see exactly what he's doing and, and how he's doing it. Um, <clears throat> but that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that somebody's inspired. Okay. Uh, to do, I mean, you sound, you that. sound skeptical. I, I am, I am a little bit. Um, okay. So, uh, well, the thing is, so, so the thing that makes it realistic is a lot of farmer families, um, do get their kids involved early because that that's just what they do. I, I, uh, my family tree has some farmers in it and not everybody in the family wants to, wants to be a farmer for obvious reasons. Yeah, because it's hard work. But, Kid was up at four o'clock in the morning and then have to go to school. But but most of them uh, do that type of work anyway because they're told to and they have to. And uh, so, you know, good good that he's he's interested in uh, not being completely useless. 
I guess, okay, so I guess what stuck out for me was this is if if he were an adult, right? We've seen examples and stories like this, and probably even shared examples of stories like this, right? Of investing wisely, saving, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, doing something entrepreneurial to get out of whatever rat race you happen to be in, right? Like the only the only handout he got, if you believe everything in the story, and I get that you're skeptical, right, was someone built him a flower bed and got him some seeds, right? Like that's that was his gift. Here, uh, and ironically, here here's the seed money for your entrepreneurial endeavor, right? And then he just took that and ran, right? He's, he's got renewable resources and a place to grow them, right? And when he outgrew what he had, uh, like any other adult in business, right? He went out and rented space. It just so happens to be from, you know, his grandfather or whatever, but he's, you know, still or the farmer next door. But still, right, you know, I, I need a plot of land to do my farming, and he found someone willing to rent it to him and just, you know, th- those things produce and you sell them, right? And then you reinvest and you get to where he's at, you know? So I, it seems like a positive story to me and I don't. Yeah, it's a good story. I just don't know how much of it is a story. You know? Okay. So. Again, uh, fair, right? But there's, are you saying that this would be impossible for, uh, for a normal person to do? Like, is this not a good example to show your communist friends and go like, stop being a bitch and bitching no. about wage slavery and do what this 11-year-old autistic kid is doing, right? And make well, some you, fucking even, money on your own. Even in the, even in the story, um, he, he gets uh, gifted some animals from uh, a TV show or something. You know, It's like, how did this TV show know this kid even exists? You know, it's, it's not because he's, he's, he's sold some flowers. Okay. Well, I mean, he exists because he's going to the local fairs, right? He's going right. to the, then, he's showing his, his wares at the local fairs, and someone goes like, man, this so would be he, an so interesting, he, you know, story. So he has somebody to show him where the fair is and take him there, and so it's... Okay. I mean, he's, he's not 11. Doing every everything on his own. Okay. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean... I want to say you're being a little nitpicky, man. Unless, I, unless no, they're going to let him drive the tractor and haul everything to the fair himself, right? He is not at that stage yet, but it's not, you know. Sure, sure. Like, oh my, you know, if if he could, he probably would, right? By the by, the time no, he's, just, by the time I'm just he's of jealous. driving age. Okay, I'm just jealous because I didn't I didn't get to make any real money until I was 16 working at Taco Hell. Right there, you go. Right. <laughs> So you, your path took you down like to Taco Bell and, you know, wherever, you know, beyond, well beyond that now, right? But anybody, any, again, anyone who's complaining that, you know, it can't be done or, you know, oh my goodness, he's, you know, he's, he's got help, right? Well, he didn't start with help, right? He earned the help. He earned the help, you know, by, by taking what he did have, which was a flower bed and some seeds. And if, and if you're telling me that, you know, that's too much, Right. A oh, flower no, bed not. and some seeds is too much, you know, to get someone on their path to, to profitability and wealth and, and you know, farming ownership or whatever, then, okay, maybe we can have that discussion, right? But he got help by being recognizable and noticeable, and people took notice, right? He worked hard. He put in the effort for years at this point, 
right? <laughs> started when he was seven, and he, that was four years of hard work to get up to where he is now, right? But he, he put in the work, and someone went, we kind of like this kid, right? And again, you know, you, you may notice in society, right, that people who do good things or do good things for others uh, reap some rewards by having good things come back to them, right? So they, they may have given him a few things, but, you know, he's a 37 sheep, 12 chickens, two cows, and a border collie, right, was not all gifted to him. I'll just leave it at that. KS, sure. did you have anything? No, no, that's good. All yeah. right. So, again, if you're, if you're hard on yourself, right, working the dead-end job, complaining about wage slavery and the billionaires who have so much money to go down into submarines and why can't I get a piece of that instead? Well, because you don't work as fucking hard as an 11-year-old autistic kid. That's why, <laughs> right? And if you do, right, then you're doing the wrong thing. Right. If you if you're doing backbreaking labor for minimum wage at Taco Hell or wherever you happen to be, or the Goodwill store, right? And this kid has been able to figure out whilst going to school, right? Maybe it's time for some introspection on your part, figure out what you have and where it can take you and go that way. Yeah, and I, I think it's uh it's weird the 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 the, peop, the people live in the in cities and they don't have any exposure to something as <clears throat> gratifying as farming, um, but it is hard work and it's not something I like. Uh, yeah, my, my my sister's into it. She's got cows, sheep, um, chickens, and uh, you know, good for her. But um, she's not making a profit. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so within the within the liberty the local liberty community uh, and extends beyond it right there's the there's a movement for grow your own right some level of self sufficiency right I want a homestead where I can grow my own garden and grow my own vegetables and not be reliant upon the large factory farms and multinational corporations to get my head of romaine lettuce down at the local supermarket you know i will grow i want to i want to have my own front yard garden right and my backyard with the cows and the chickens and whatever and at one point i was like yeah that does sound cool right but then i changed my mind right because it's you know i don't i i don't know if i've learned it recently or if i always knew it and then was it was reintroduced to me um the lawn the grass in the front yard is a wealth flex, right? I have wealth, grass. A wealth flex? What's that? A yes. Wealth, yes. wealth so flex. Flexing, like showing off, showing off your, showing your, off your wealth. Lawn. Oh, oh. And it's a wealth flex because it demonstrates to your neighbors that I am so wealthy, I don't need to grow my own garden. I can waste my land on useless grass. And that's, that's how it starts. And so I went, damn, that's the goal, right? <laughs> I, want, I want to become so wealthy doing other things, right, that I can have grass in my front yard while you numbnuts to the left and right of me are growing potatoes, right? And they're like, well, so where are you going to get your potatoes from? I, well, I'll buy them from you because I have enough money to do so and you don't, which is why you're growing potatoes and I have a lawn. And so that, you know. 
that was that was you know I'll, I'll go down to the the local farmers market or the you know whoever's whoever's doing that and I, I will get it from them um, because demonstrably I should have enough wealth to do so and so refocusing on growing wealth became the goal as opposed to being self-sufficient right like I don't I don't well uh, there's um I, I think more than just wealth flex uh, by not growing your own garden. It's it, I, I think with specialization and comparative advantage, there's tremendous gain. If you're growing your own garden, you spend a lot of time doing that. You, you, all your time, you know, as a farmer, you're growing it. Well, if you're only eating your own stuff, then it gets rather mon- monotonous eating the same stuff, and it's not seasonal. I mean, it's uh, it's tied tied to the seasons. Um, and even then, if you grow in abundance, you're trading with somebody else to get something else they've got, and that's pretty narrow because it's what the other neighbors are growing that's similar to yours. Yep. But the great thing about just, uh, well, getting a job or some kind of income that allows you to go to a grocery store where they get stuff from all over the planet at any time of the year. You get tremendous variety, and, and uh, uh, you don't make it all yourself. But I do think that there's a... Um, I enjoy growing things around my own house if they uh it can be flowers it could be uh, but I, I don't i never thought of it as showing off to the neighbors because they've all got uh, their own thing going on i mean i i just like watching things grow i like that yeah but, uh, maybe the older i get the more i i uh like fertilizing and watering and and tending to some and not not all the stuff. I mean, it's a lot of work, as uh, MC pointed out. It's a lot of work out in the yeah. field, and I don't like weeding. And and uh, I hire somebody to do the the hard work. Even so, more of a wealth flex. I don't even maintain my own lawn. I have a guy for that. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think the flowers necessarily count, but the 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 impetus for lawns becoming a cultural phenomenon. Right, like, why do we have this grass, this useless grass in our yards, right? And the the beginnings of that uh, was to show off that you had enough wealth to waste it on grass, and that's you know historically accurate. Yeah, as far maybe, as I maybe know. it is. Maybe I just fell into that, yeah, because I grew up in that sort of household. Yeah. But I or you didn't are, know, right? I don't think anybody like with the grass now, like that's. I don't think that's the reason. It's just that's what you do, right? You move yeah. to the suburbs. There's other other reasons too. Yeah, if you if you do live in a suburb, you you don't want a whole bunch of like rodents and stuff living in the yard. So you keep keep the the weeds and the and the grass down so that there's less critters. Yeah, hmm. less unfriendly critters. Yeah. Anyway, so so you know that's I'm and I'm glad you brought it up because that's the other thing that I think gets lost in this. And I will say, you know, the the comparative advantage and the specialization. Right. Like there's a, there's, you know, a buddy asked me a long time ago, he's like, why do you work here, Rich? And I, my answer was because I can't grow my own food. Right. (laughs) Like I do this because I'm good at this and they pay me. And then I go buy the food from somebody who's good at growing food. Right. Yeah. You know, and so then you're both better off and we're both better off. Yeah. And the nice thing about it is too, you can just sort of make decisions. It, it frees you having, Having an income frees you to make decisions about things that that you want to do. If you want to, you know, uh, go to the beach or you want to go travel, uh, you can do those things if you've 
if you're really good at what you do and people pay you for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to be done. I mean, but I think the, the counter to that is, well, they don't want to do it to get wealthy, right? We're not growing our own garden to get wealthy, right? We're growing it because at some point the, the infrastructure, the state is going to collapse, right? And we want to make sure that we have access to food, you know, in the event that the government shuts down or, you know, the, the factory farms go up, right? Egg prices are so damn high, right? Well, not for people with chickens, right? Not only that, if they have, if they have, uh, if they have an abundance of eggs from their chickens, right, and the market price for eggs goes up, well, they can raise their, their price and eke out a, a small or, a, you know, profit as well, right? Like, I did not like it when uh, farm eggs were like $5 a dozen. I'm not buying. I'm going to go to the supermarket and get it for 99 cents a dozen. Well, what happens when the supermarket price is $5 a dozen? Right? Does that factory, you know, does that farm eggs, the local farm fresh eggs, are, are, do they stagnate at $5 or do they go up as well? You know, are you eking out profits there? Right? When, the, when there was the lumber shortage, right? We talked about this on this show when there was the lumber shortage. Why didn't the lumber yards increase capacity? Well, because it was a short term thing and they were, making a, they were making bigger profits by selling, you know, by selling their existing stock for more. There was no need to increase capacity. All right. Final thoughts? Uh, no, thanks. Good. All right. That'll do it for us then. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha. Aloha.